Welcome to the Emo Social Club podcast, broadcasting to you live. Well, not really. It's pre-recorded, but you get what I mean from EmoSocialClub.tv. I am Lizzie, and the last thing that I have heard from, from Brian is that he may be fighting for his life against the fishes in Tahiti. But it's okay. You got me, and you got some other interviews that, if you didn't catch on the live stream, you haven't heard yet. And we have that coming right up for you with our new friends in Parader. We talk about them working with Yellow Cards Ben Harper, their new EP that just dropped this past Friday, and a loads of more of Elder Emo stuff that you're definitely going to want to listen to and check out. Before that, though, just a reminder, we will be, well, me, will be at Downstairs Sub T for the Action Adventure After Party on Saturday, April 30th. Make sure you go and uh, click the link in our bio on all of our socials to check that out and to snag a ticket uh, if you buy a ticket to go upstairs so 15 bucks for the full show package with friends again action adventure wolf road rare candy boys of fall and weighted you're going to be able to get in for free downstairs otherwise you just gotta pay five bucks if you just want an after party and that's it that's totally cool whatever floats your boat and we will see you there besides that we also have merch for you we got tank tops still, so make sure you have your suns out, guns out, ready to go for the impending 70-degree weather that we have just experienced here in Chicago or wherever else you're at. Maybe you're at, you were at Coachella and you said, you know what, I got to bring the bad boys out. And it's tank season all day, baby. Other than that, make sure you rate and subscribe to us. You can go and rate and review us over on Apple Music. We've had some other ones trickle in, and we really appreciate you guys throwing it in. It helps us in the algorithm. Spotify is super easy. All you do is just hit five stars. If you hit less than five stars, we're going to have a little bit of a problem. And you can also go listen to us over on Amazon Music and the Odyssey app. And we're the first result when you Google the emo social, and we're right there. So make sure you also get us in the algorithm for Odyssey as well. Without further ado, we're just going to jump right into it and talk with our friend Zach in Parader. Welcome to the Emo Social Club podcast, broadcasting to you live from EmoSocialClub.tv. I am Brian. And I'm Lizzie, and we're here this evening with our new friend Zach of Parader. Thank you so much for hanging out with us on a Sunday night. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm stoked to be here. Yeah. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about your band? I feel like you guys are fairly new but you do have a, a an ep coming out we are, we are we're sort of new and old it's it's an interesting thing because a lot of us a few of us were in a band together years ago called line in the main um and we sort of that kind of fizzled out and we all sort of went our separate ways you know i went to grad school everybody else sort of got you know normal jobs and you know things sort of life you know moved on i ended up moving out of that and touring in a Blink-182 tribute for a few years love that it, I still have. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, when the pandemic hit, that was sort of, that that was the moment that all of us sort of reconnected and we were like, we have songs that we never put out and let's try doing this again. Let's rebrand and, you know, grab maybe one or two new members and see what happens. And so far it's been unbelievable. So, I mean... This, this is evidence that it's going well. We're getting yeah. press. Thank God. You're here. <laughs> You're here on the podcast. We are here. This this is success. <laughs> so what kind of made you trigger that moment during like quarantine and everything says like, yo, we got to get the band back together. I mean, it was just one of those things where like, because it was so unknown, like how much time it would take to get to get life back together. We all sort of. I don't know. We just got bored. I think it was, it was partially boredom, partially stress, partially just like, what, what, what are we supposed to do with ourselves? And, you know, the, the great thing about this EP that's coming out, um, we ended up being able to rope in a bunch of our other friends who were in pop punk bands that we, you know, played shows with over the years. And they were like, Hey, do you want to cut drums for us on a track? Or, Hey, do you want to do some gang vocals? And everyone was like, 
Well, yeah, I'm just sitting in my room doing nothing. So sure, <laughs> it was it was honestly it was a perfect opportunity to to get stuff done because everyone was looking for work, everyone was looking to do stuff, and like you know from the people mixing and mastering it, I mean everyone was just like, we don't know how to stop, so we don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> so Fair. yeah, I mean yeah, I mean the pandemic was just it it, it gave a lot of people, including us, I guess, the luxury of time. <laughs> You know, to sort of sit back and go, yeah, we should maybe revisit that. That was that was cool when we did that. <laughs> this is one of the issues I'm having right now as we're like going back into the real world. Shows are happening. People are, are you know, existing outside of the Internet and in person and talking face to face with each other again. And I'm kind of getting to a point where I'm like, Ugh, I would I would just love it if we could just go back into quarantine and like. <laughs> Like, let's just like go back to playing among us and like just never go outside again. Like that'd be a beautiful time to revisit. And like having that opportunity to do all that stuff because you don't have anything else to do and you can like focus on, Hey, I want to like make some music with my friends. Cause we all have the technology and we don't even have to like be in the same place to do it. It's like, yeah, I, I kind of like, I feel like that's not going to happen again. <laughs> and now I'm like getting nostalgic for the pandemic. And I hate that. Was, that was that. such a nice way of saying people suck. By the way, it's a roundabout way. The gist of what you were saying. I just appreciate how you said it. But Look, the only way I want to communicate with people is through Among Us, where I'm killing people and then lying about it, and that is my preferred way of interaction. Hey man, most most offices are still hybrid, and people aren't back yet. So it's you know, you know, we're still going, still going through it a little bit. I think. <laughs> Definitely. I do not want to return to an office ever again. And I can imagine that. I don't know. I'm like, well, musicians, for the most part, you know, your your office is the venue. And it's like, <laughs> like well, getting that's... spit on by an artist is like just kind of normal, you know? I mean, that's been such a strange thing to watch. I mean, I so outside of being in the band, my day job is a booking agent. So mm -hmm. I, you know. I work with a lot of like 90s and 2000 hip hop acts now. And, you know, a lot of what I was doing was just sort of touching base with talent buyers and promoters over the course of the pandemic going, hey, do you have any idea when things are going to reopen? <laughs> I mean, because basically, like, it was just a giant question mark for everybody. Mm -hmm. And routing tours and trying to get holds and all that stuff was kind of a like a pointless exercise because... You know, you could go ahead and say, hey, I would love, you know, March of 2021, but who knew if that was going to be doable, you know? Mm. So everyone was just, it was a lot of waiting and seeing. And I think that there was a huge amount of anxiety in the live sector, I think, during the pandemic that I certainly felt. But I mean, I think, you know, now that things are reopening, it's tentatively, I think people are getting, you know, at least a little happier, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> They need their they need their '90s and early 2000s hip hop acts. They're just ready for it now. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Ever I'm since the Super Bowl, that's gonna be yeah. Gonna be hot. True. <laughs> Don't goof. If you're in Chicago on Saturday, April 30th, you gotta head over to Subterranean. Why? Not only are our friends in Action Adventure, Wolf Road, Rare Candy, and more playing a show, but we're stoked to announce that we're the official after party. <laughs> So don't go home and stay with us after hours with bangers only. You can buy tickets on the venue site and we hope to see you there supporting all of the homies. Both events are 17 plus and require proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test. So other than that, though, so you said that you obviously you work as a talent buyer, a booker, and you also like just worked and collaborated with a lot of other artists, including some of them being Mark Rose of Spitafield. So can you let us know how like that kind of all came to fruition? Man, Mark, I honestly don't even remember how I met Mark. Um, I mean, like, you know, it's one of these things where, like, you know, you go back and you play so many shows with people and you're just like, oh, yeah, where where did we meet? Like, we're, we're friends, but, like, I cannot pinpoint where the first interaction was. So, like, there, you know, there were people like that that we sort of just met randomly at shows over the years. And, you know, also, like, you know, Toby McAllister from Sparks the Rescue and Ryan Kinley from Matchbook and... Uh, ben Cato from the Dangerous Summer, you know, like those were the those were a bunch of the guys who that we sort of pulled in, because I mean, you know, when it was two thousand 
9, 10, 11, whatever, you know, everyone would play the same kind of circuits. You know, these guys would come through New York and we would open for them at like the studio at Webster Hall. And, you know, I think right before I joined Line in the Main, uh, they did a full on tour with Sparks the Rescue and King's Foil with Frankie Muniz. <laughs> so that was. All so right. there was, I, I, I guess there was, yeah, dude, apparently this kid played Frankie drums. Frankie Muniz, a big fat liar? Yeah, of, of Malcolm in the Middle. Apparently Ma Malcolm played some drums. Yeah, Malcolm in the back. I, I don't know how well he played them, but he did. Well. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I mean, you know, it's, it's all these like weird six degrees of separation where, you know, I mean, particularly in the emo scene, everybody knows everybody. And if they don't, they know someone in common. So mm. it's, you know, whether it's a tech, whether it's someone who played guitar on one tour, I mean, everyone's connected somehow I've learned in, you know, in the emo scene, particularly just cause it was so, it was initially such a niche, you yeah. know, and now it's, now it's mainstream. It's so uh, weird to, to think that it kind of is now. <laughs> yeah. It's mainstream. sellout. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, God. I had to do it. did it to him. I had to do it to him. I mean, we know Mark Rose just because he's in Chicago, but I saw him play like a real small show a long time ago, and I was like, damn, dude, like you're really good. And he's like, yeah, thanks. And then all my friends are like, he's from Spitalfield, dude. I'm like, what? I don't know. It's like, you realize he was kind of a big deal. Yeah, especially here, where it's like, we have, like, two emo bands, and one of them's Fall Out Boy. And... Right, I was going to say, the other one is the Academy is. Yeah, that's true. Like, we have yeah. very few. We got to, like, take our, uh, you know, take what we get, and they're all from the north suburbs where I grew up, and so I'm like, yeah, let's be friends. And then we saw Spitalfield reunited for Riot Fest, and one of the guys, and, uh, the guitarist in the band, like, was like, hey... You're all, I hope you're all having a good time. And like, I was wearing a pink shirt and I was really far in the back and I was like in, doing an Instagram story. And he's like, you in the pink shirt back there. I hope you're having a good time. And I was like, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I'm like, Mark, you need to talk to your friend, man. <laughs> that guy outed me before the down. entire calm, Riot calm Fest audience. <laughs> so you're just back there with a few thousand people like, hi. Yeah, just like pink shirt. I'm the dude with the phone. <laughs> yeah, hi, guys. And then everybody like, I was like walking around uh, later in the day and people are like, dude, are you pink shirt guy from Spitalfield? I'm like, I don't know oh. how to answer this question. <laughs> Like, oh, that was your legacy for the rest of the day. Yeah, I'm like, yep, pink shirt guy. That's that's <laughs> that's me. And uh, it was, this is very esoteric, but it was a uh, it was a Dragon Ball Z bright pink shirt that said Badman on the back. So then people were seeing it and they're like, is that Badman? <laughs> I'm like, no, nah, I stand pink by. Shirt, bad man, man. Pink shirt, Badman. Pink shirt, Spittlefield, Badman, man. <laughs> you should change that to your Twitter name. Instead of your name, it's just that. Yeah, I want to. <laughs> I'll reference something from like four or five years ago. <laughs> yeah, you know, make a niche, make it cool, Which and is only the, last time I was the on select few know. <laughs> oh, oh my god! Lord. Yeah, uh, so we we know him, and and uh, Dangerous Summer, you just played with them, right? Like, yeah, that was that was super clutch. We go back with those guys through sort of similar strange circumstances one of my miscellaneous gigs back in the day was tour managing uh dave elkins from may and his short-lived side project and we ended up doing a few south by shows and a few um shows through like texas and california i think with the dangerous summer so i knew you know aj and matt kennedy and all those guys from there and i think uh john and dimitri from yeah, the other the two guitar players slash writers and parader also knew them from playing South by with them and all that fun stuff. So that was sort of being able to come back and play with them in Florida where, you know, half of the band is from was really a cool thing. I mean, you know, just seeing that crew again, cause it'd been years, honestly, since we'd hung. So yeah, I mean, they're great. They put on such a fun show. I mean, you know, a AJ is, AJ is still AJ and he's, <laughs> you know, he is still a presence on stage, man. It's it's they're fun to watch, and they're such fun dudes to hang out with too. That you know, I mean that's and that's the fun thing about the scene. You know, is like for the most part, everyone's pretty laid back, and it's just like you know when they hop up on the main stage at Riot Fest, it's like yeah, I'm just a dude who does a thing, and that happens mm -hmm. to be the thing I do. But you know, <laughs> they get off stage and they're completely normal. You know, there's no there's it seems like there's very little room for ego 
you know, and those those bands don't last very long, I guess. <laughs> here's here's hoping. Here's out MGK. <laughs> so I Sorry, say, I gotta tell, keep Tell me it. how you really feel. Man, yeah, I, I'm dying at the fact that he's being credited with like the renaissance of pop punk, as if it went away. You know, like it's. It, are we just gonna ignore the fact that like set it off in the Wonder Years and all these bands have been playing constantly this entire time? It's and just, we're just more gonna, we're like, just gonna give this like this disgraced rapper all the credit. Like, come on now. It's more of like in the mainstream because that's where it comes to. But if anything, it really should be Travis Barker because and John Feldman, those two. Yes. And he and they and at least Travis. Yeah, Brian loves Mr. John. But Travis Barker has been like basically the one behind it, because without him, none of these MGK anything would really exist without it. He is the pop punk Timbaland. Like I sort of. (laughs) Damn, that is a very good reference. Just because, like, you know, back in the day, Timbaland was on every record. Yes, he was. Yeah. And now Travis is on every record. And it's, like, dude, it's oh. great. I mean, you know, he's he's the reason so many people started playing drums. So for him to be everywhere now, it, it's I'm sure it's, like, vindication for a lot of kids who are like, yes. Oh, yeah. There's so many people who are so upset about it now. And I'm just like, but, like, you wanted pop punk to be back in the mainstream. Like, you got to give and take, my guy. Like, if Travis mm-hmm. Barker is on all these people's, like, features, like cool that's that's awesome yeah he's got the magic touch man i mean you know and it seems like he's got i don't know if he's got a formula but you know whatever he does with these people seems to be working (laughs) yeah it's it's very much and and being that you're a booker for a lot of like the 90s hip-hop and all that is like like even with timbaland it was just like the sound of it and the feel of it and like uh the way that you would craft like a pop song and put it out on the radio and you're like yeah this just feels good i'm enjoying the sound i'm enjoying like the the moment of it and i feel like travis barker is making music of the moment with like hip-hop artists and and uh combining all these genres together doing all this stuff because i do remember that timbaland did a song with patrick stump and fallout boy and it was awesome and so good uh so yeah, it's like just let's let's work with all of these artists. Let's just bring everything to, to the table. Uh, work with art older artists like Avril. Work with new artists. Uh, you know, just just put it all together. Uh, yeah, it's it's yeah. so funny to see that too. Like I mean, you know, with guys like Mod Son and and Av- like and Avril's huge again. And you know, this is like I mean, it's like two thousand two TRL era. You know, and yeah. it's so for you know for all of us who remember the first wave, it's kind of like. This is such a trip. So I'm <laughs> assuming here with that you you're you're in the same camp of Avril Lavigne as like emo pop punk because I've seen people on TikTok absolutely lose their fucking minds and go she was never emo she was never pop punk I'm like have you never listened to Nobody's Home in like the corner <laughs> of your room and cried as like a 14 year old or like. I mean, all I you had to like do this... was watch the complicated video and go, yeah. what, what other what other conclusion would you jump to? What else would you call that? Like, Skateboards, pop, maybe, stripes, but... ties, you're in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, there was a reason pop punk was so big, and it was because there was a pop formula. Like, a lot of people, maybe they're, they're jumping on her just because, you know, she put out that, hey, hey, you, you, I don't Girlfriend think you're going Yeah, like because that, that, that entire was, album bangs though. Like yeah, I that, love that album. And that was an unabashed pop hit, but like, mm-hmm. so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's she's an artist. She can do what she wants. Yeah. Do whatever she wants. <laughs> I I think we look back at it now, like as a as a younger person hearing that for the first time, I was like, man, what the fuck, like. This is so like lame and you're just like using it to like get popular and who even cares. And now I'm like, nah, dude, shit rips. Like, uh, (laughs) like I used to very much not like Miley Cyrus. And now she's like one of my favorite artists. (laughs) Like, I'm just like, he loves, he loves her. I I love Miley Cyrus. And I'm just like, what what brought about that change? uh, Mostly my girlfriend, but also (laughs) seeing her at Lollapalooza, uh, because she's a huge fan. So we, we went to her night at Lollapalooza and I was like, holy shit, this is one of the best live performances I've ever seen. Like her voice is so on point. The songs are being performed really well. She brought out like Billy Idol and the kid Leroy to do her song with her, him and like all kinds of shit. It was fantastic. 
Yeah, she's been like sort of channeling Joan Jett vibes recently, mm-hmm. which I'm just like all for. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh yeah, like the thing is that her voice can do it, and she does it really well. But the, again, more people have been like criticizing her, like you're just trying to jump on a train, and I'm like, if she wanted to jump on a train. She would be churning out a bunch of pop punk hits. She's channeling like vintage rock, yeah, like right. 80s energy. The train is Fleetwood Mac. Like, so, <laughs> good. <laughs> Everybody yeah. should be on that train. Absolutely, man. I mean, you know, and she's, it's funny because I, I always wondered about her with the, you know, shedding the whole Hannah Montana thing. You know, these, you know, the, with Disney stars, getting away from that initial image of yourself has to be one of the, most terrifying things ever because you know that there was a conversation with you know the manager and the label going you're going to lose a lot of your base if you do this and she was just like okay <laughs> if, they, if, they, if, they, if that happens cool. fine i'll make new fans you know yeah. and that's and that you know i've that sort of impresses me about her too for sure that it's that she just was like i'm gonna go 180 in the other direction and not give a shit <laughs> lizzie is our resident disney channel expert uh yes can you speak to that as far as Miley and the Jonas Brothers and all of your faves. Yeah, all my faves. Um, no, when when everybody did do that, that was obviously like the coming of age moment because, you know, we were also, at least for me, I was like also around that same age. So I was like, well, what are they going to do? Like, this is like little kid stuff. Disney Channel was like kind of like in between as well, like programming wise. So then you have the Jonas Brothers branching off in general. And then you also have Miley Cyrus doing it, but also like going complete unhinged energy. So you have a lot of like people who are really upset about it. And obviously you lose fans just because people are like, what is going on? Like this is a cognitive disconnect. But she kept on strong and made a new adult audience. It was kind of like what Justin Bieber did, too, because Justin Bieber was more of like a Radio Disney artist originally. Also, My World Smacks. That is a great album. (laughs) (laughs) But he did the same thing. He, He went and he got more adults. And people were like shell shocked by it, but I think because they stuck with it is yeah. what kind of brought them out more. Jonas Brothers has had a lot of issues though with it, like when they, um, for example, they always perform since they came back. Uh, they performed DNCEs was a Joe Jonas's side project, Cake by the Ocean. So it's a censored version. They're supposed to say fuck in it, but they don't even play it live anymore because they had placed a censored version because there's still so many like families and kids tied to it. So there's somebody is like, we branched off and we're adults and we're married. We have kids. We talk about, you know, sex and doing drugs and drinking, but like you can't say like fuck right in your song still (laughs) because it's still so tied to like a family thing i think it's so weird how that happened but i I think that also could have been because they broke up whereas miley just like kept going so we saw that evolution i think if you were able to see the evolution but also with like this was after my time this was where my siblings time was shake it up with zendaya and bella thorne so zendaya was able to make that transition without that many issues like good for her but bella thorne went like complete unhinged energy and not in like the good way either she went in and she, you know, started doing a lot of these different, more like provocative and like adult movies. Yeah. And is still doing like adult content, which, you know what? Good for her, whatever works. <laughs> but, you know, she kind of fell off on the radar. So now she's kind of in that, I don't want to say disgrace, but kind of like, hey, you could have done what Zendaya did if you played your cards right, but you didn't. Could have been in And Spider-Man. now you're doing <laughs> this instead. Yeah, you could have been the other whatever is in spider-man yeah okay (laughs) that's the side of disney that i understand you can understand your side of listen we gotta have a split here all right yeah (laughs) different generations i always wondered man i was like i wish i could be a fly on the wall in like a midwestern family's living room when they're watching the wrecking ball video for the first time (laughs) expecting hannah montana and oh no i watched it with my mom and she was like what is she doing and i was like i don't know (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. Oh, yeah, she came in like a wrecking ball. What are we going to do? Oh, she's there. Look what she's doing. It's like, why is she doing that? I don't know. Because she's like, what, 21, something like that? She doesn't <laughs> want to be Hannah Montana anymore. Because she's not 16 anymore. <laughs> yeah. And like, to bring it back to emo music, I'm like, that's kind of where all these bands, like Blink-182, I'll use as an example, wrote a bunch of songs as high schoolers, and now they're like 50 with kids and they're like i mean tom's obviously doing angels and airwaves but it's like 
you're now firmly adults. There's nothing you can do to make yourself like write songs for high schoolers. So those songs that you wrote as high schoolers, you may not uh, feel anymore. Actually, Kenny from the starting line said this when I saw them live once. And he's just like, yeah, I can't even sing these anymore because I'm not 16. And my voice has uh, gotten worse over time <laughs> as I grew up. And like, you know, I can't sing these songs that I wrote when I was in high school. And it's very like your audience. Uh, I guess it's like, where do you and, and maybe you have uh, some insight on this, too, is like, if you are creating an audience that is around your age and then your audience should grow up with you, I think like, so if you're expressing like these thoughts as you're grow going through life, your audience kind of stays at the same age range or the same like experience level. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's funny you, you bring up Kenny cause I was literally just ha thinking of a conversation I had with him. Mm. Um, years ago i uh, it's funny i worked with him i had a brief foray into the weed business and we put out a vacation or weed strain okay one of the one of the greatest things i've ever done was give was give kenny Vasoli his own weed strain oh but i remember asking him i remember asking him about this very thing you know about playing the songs off of say it like you mean it and you know he the point he made wasn't so much about physically being able to do it it was just because you know because he wrote these songs as a 16 year old you know, I, I always ask him, just like, you know, is it like, you know, the Hanson brothers having to play Mbop every night, you know? And he was like, you know, it is sort of like looking at kid pictures of yourself and cringing. But <laughs> but the other side of that is that it created such a movement. It, it helped create such a movement. And that record means so much to so many people that that fact sort of overshadows the embarrassment of having to <laughs> sing lyrics that you wrote as a heartbroken high schooler, you know, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's just sort of the, the way and with them too, and the way their albums progressed, like, you know, everyone who loves say it like you mean it to my knowledge also likes direction. And that's, mm. you know, and that was a really mature album for them, you know, and that's, and that's something that they love that even Kenny, he was like, I'm very proud of that record. Like I've heard him say that before. And, you know, to me, I think, you know, crowds, particularly with this genre, you know, the the fans are so loyal that, you know, even if, you know, like, you know, with Fall Out Boy getting super pop, you know, the diehards, are, there's some diehards still there, you know, but they're not me. ever going to go away. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, they'll they'll go, you know, they'll sit through, you know, the save rock and roll era to hear some stuff off of Take This to Your Grave because mm -hmm. that album was so important to so many people. So I think I think it's honestly it's a testament to the to the songs that came out at that point that I think that's what carries fans forward. You know, I mean, there's a reason people still pack out taking back Sunday shows and it's not like they're playing, tell it, tell all your friends front to back, you know, they're playing everything. Yeah. You know, I yeah. think, I think once you have a band that you really care about, you don't really care, you know, you, you sort of, you go, you know what? I love the songs that they wrote. They'll see, they'll always play them, you know, if they were big enough. And that's enough for me. I think uh, this is why I'm kind of forgiving to a lot of like, I'm I'm forgiving to the hate and the love of MGK and like all these newer artists just because I'm like, this is your experience with that same thing. Like, right. yes, MGK had a career as a different kind of artist. And uh, some of these artists are like brand new and maybe they won't even stay the same style and genre. But like, there are kids now in high school that are getting the same experience that we got with other bands that they didn't have a chance. And now those bands are like 45 years old and it's like, well, I don't have a mortgage. What am I supposed to get out of this? Right. <laughs> <laughs> what am I? I, I no, I, dude, some girl uh, uh, broke my heart. She's going out with my best friend. I need a song for that. And taking back Sunday aren't, aren't doing that anymore. They're talking about, Better Homes and Gardens. I don't even know what that They're magazine is. They're talking about is. leaving their wife, and it's like, yo, I cannot relate. Yeah. That's the, I'm so sorry for you. Sounds great, but At least you uh, had I'm not old enough for that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when you you click that song off, and you go back to uh, to Timberwolves of whatever. Yeah. I go I go into sync into me, be like, hey, remember when they played this on Degrassi? And I'm like, yeah, I do. <laughs> That song is oh, yeah, an underrated right. banger. That's how I found out about Taking Back Sunday, is I saw them on Degrassi oh, as a mini, and I said, yo, that's cool. Oh, boy. <laughs> Love it. 
that gives you the oh, age range of us. If the Disney Channel stuff didn't give you the age ranges, that <laughs> did. Um, let's talk a bit about your EP coming out. It's called Something the Dreamers Dream. Uh, if you're on the stream right now, it's coming out this Friday. If you're listening to this, it's already out. So you should have heard it and you should already know everything about it as you're listening to this episode. And you should already be running it up to a million streams. Yeah. Hell yeah. Mute it. Hell yeah. Mute it while it's still playing so you can listen to this podcast and so it's like still streaming. <laughs> and then Excellent. when you're done with this, go right back to it, you know? Like, you know, gotta gotta take yeah. a pause to listen to you talk about the EP before you go listen to the EP again. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I mean this EP it's it's super special to us because these were a lot of these songs were either stuff that sort of died on the cutting room floor in our old project, or they were stuff that like was almost finished being written and not you know just we never got around to it so you know i mean john and dimitri are the two guys that write everything and you know they i i sort of you know as a bass player you're you know you kind of you take a backseat a lot and that's fine i run all, <laughs> I, I, I run i run all the business stuff so you know it's, it's that is, that's that's my role yes. but you know for me it's you know watching the two of them and how they write and how they work off of each other like they're I would not want to play with anybody else. Just, I love the stuff that they write. So, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for the EP to come out. I'm also a little nervous just because right now rock music is very tied to pop punk and, you know, sonically our EP is so not pop punk. <laughs> Despite the fact that everybody that worked on it, is in pop punk like, i'm like <laughs> your list of, of personnel on it is like the oh, most ridiculous <laughs> right like i mean the guy you know we just dropped a single called save my place and it was mixed by nick rad from acceptance you know mm -hmm. so that i mean you know that alone is you know should be an indication that it's like you know even if we sort of sound like you know the counting crows meets american authors you look if you look at our iPods, it's all like you know, under oath every time I die in newfound glory. Like it's yep. it's that stuff. <laughs> like seriously, all of us, you know, we all have such different different backgrounds. But it's weird because the 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 Warp Tour scene was something that we could all agree on, even though that was never how John or Dimitri wrote songs. Like, you know, they're not writing they're not writing pop punk stuff. <laughs> but you know, I think it's sort of it's one of those things that it. I hope it'll sit well with the resurgence of instrument based music, you know, I, I like, I, I just hope there's, I hope there's an audience for it. You know, I hope that the, you know, the pop punk, you know, scene is open to it, even if it's not, you know, even if it doesn't sound like MGK, but <laughs> I know when we listened to it, cause I was like listening to it. I'm like, well, this sounds like more of like a radio type band, like a band that you would hear because it has all those like, areas of like it's indie it's a little bit easier to listen to than some of the pop punk that we probably hear nowadays too and it's something that like you could listen to for a little bit of everybody and everyone will find something that they like about it like regardless so I think the fact that you're in that vein more is better and I mean the music sounds good too like there are, there are radio hits that are absolutely fucking terrible lovely the band <laughs> but you are not lovely the band <laughs> Lizzie works in radio. Yeah. Aww. What's wrong with I had to listen to I had to listen to that song "Broken" for way oh, too man. long. I, I had to listen way too long. But th there are songs that are, and I think a lot of the music from what we were sent over to preview is that a lot of your music that you have and the singles that you have as well, they stand out as ones that could be on that level. So I think it's something that is a good direction to take. I hope so, man. You know, it's. You know, the, the thing that's always in the back of every musician's brain, whether they want to admit it or not, is, you know, they're looking at what's big now. I mean, you know, when we, you know, we put out a, an album as Line in the Main that sort of sounded like a Dangerous Summer record, but we dropped it in 2015 when the, you know, the, the mainstream was very focused on, you know, female fronted indie, indie pop. So, like, you know, at that point, Betty Who was big, Verite was big, Tovlo was big, you know. So we sort of released it into a world that didn't really have any interest in it. So that's, you know, that's always the fear that I think most artists deal with. You know, you can do the best job that you can on the songs and 
you can be really proud of them, but it's like, man, what the hell's the world gonna think? <laughs> Hopefully they like them as much as we do. You know, all the feedback that we've gotten from people in the industry has been positive, but you know, it's it's not up to them and it's not up to us. It's up to <laughs> it's up to you guys who are listening to this to either like it or hate it. <laughs> so yeah. to everybody to to get a thousand streams per person on it. Put so. their votes in by streaming. Yeah, that'll let <laughs> oh, you yeah. know. <laughs> it's interesting. We put out this single, um, Save My Place, and it's still, you know, it's a it's a rocking thing. It's sort of it of our songs, I think it's the one that's maybe the closest to that. And it got a great response, but it also got a, a, a huge response in South America for some reason. Because I okay. guess rock is huge there. I mean, every, yeah. every band. Brazil? Yeah. Oh, every band <laughs> makes that crack. And the funniest yep. thing is our top 10 cities, at least six of them are in Brazil. Uh, you're about like, to get so many oh comments. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, um, I want to go back. I, I spent some time in Rio. It's beautiful. Mm. I'll tour South America before I tour the States. I don't care. <laughs> Just... Give, give us the 10 to 15 grand we need for flights and, and visa fees. Yeah, <laughs> we'll be yeah. there. And we'll cover right the cost. <laughs> cover the cost, and we will be there tomorrow. <laughs> but yeah, man, um, just, you know, to bring it back to the EP, I'm very, I'm very excited about it. You know, as, as nervous as we are for it, I think, you know, we haven't regularly put out music in a long time, and we haven't put out a body of work in a long time. And I think it's, I, I hope that you're right and that there is something for everybody on it. You know, we've got stuff that's, you know, sort of hooky and poppy. And then we've got, you know, tracks like back and forth that are sort of ABC family acoustic sounding. <laughs> and it's like, it, you know, we sort of, we run the gamut, but we sort of stick in the pop rock lane mm -hmm. for lack of a better, <laughs> better term, I guess. So, you know, we, we're, we're stoked on it and we, we hope you guys are too. <laughs> I mean, I do think that, like, a mom whose kid is getting really into radio rock now is not going to be like, well, you know, well, actually, okay, they might be. It's like, well, oh, you know, yeah, I remember like... back in the day listening to pop punk back when, you know, the, the, Sticks and Stones by Newfound Glory was my record in high school. And it's like, mom, I don't care. <laughs> but it's like. I think no, one... you're gonna get the kid who gonna is going to love Red Hot Chili Peppers. Be like, uh, I don't care about New Fangler. I like Red Hot Chili. Uh, I like the way that Flea plays that bass, man. He does a good job, and John Frusciante and Will Ferrell. Um, oh so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be oh Brian's worst ni personal nightmare, really. So yeah. it comes down to kind of. Uh, <laughs> I think that <laughs> I think that what it's like come to is more like there are these communities that are popping up and it, it it's kind of like for the U S at least very like local and community based in like cities and States and, and like conjoining, you know, cities you can tour to and all that. And people are building up these like kind of smaller communities within there, but it's also like way easier to get quote unquote popular in those sort of communities and not look to like the mom who's like, I don't know from pop punk. I just, you know, as long as they're not swearing, I can put it on in the car. Right. And like right. a kid is like, oh, I want to play this because they they drop hard F's in here. And I don't want to I don't want to put that on while my mom's listening to it. But it's like, yeah, if you're writing good music, like you're still going to have that community that pops up. If not the community you're already in, then around you, if the music's good, right. they're going to be like, oh, yeah, that's good. I got to go see them. And then all of a sudden the basement's full. And this is that's a personal story. I used to play basements and it's like. Yes. Hell yeah, man. Fine. I was going to say, everything you were saying, I was like, is he talking about the basement circuit in Jersey right now? Cause no, I... Literally, I, that's I, what that was. <laughs> like, you know, that was, you know, you know, Fall Out Boy and mm -hmm. the early November and Midtown. They're all playing in each other's basements in northern New Jersey for years. Mm -hmm. And now yeah. they're selling out Starland, you know? It's like, I know. well, there you go. <laughs> we, we had one basement. It's a venue called Penny Road Pub, and it's no longer open. Oh, I've heard and, of that. Yeah, it's... Uh, one of the only places in like the Chicago suburbs that had bands like touring bands come through and they would always play downstairs and it was essentially a basement of a bar right. and then the show would finish and you go upstairs and there's a cover band playing and you're like who are all these suburban moms that weren't at my show but they were here right. for the <laughs> the Leonard Skinner cover band upstairs <laughs> choices were made it's like we're in Barrington guys we're <laughs> 
that's a local humor for everybody who is in Chicago and knows Barrington. It is uh, lame and rich. Yeah, and, and bougie. And we're all jealous if you didn't live there. <laughs> and I was going to say, it sounds like, uh, I'm trying to think of a parallel in New York, but... Uh... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Upper East Side, maybe. Yeah, yeah all sure. you, all you Upper East Side is whatever. Hey, I don't know. It's my fake New York <laughs> accent. Whatever it means for that. Hey, whatever. You're you trying know, to get hey. into the gaba ghoul again. Uh, look, you know, if you're gonna gaba my ghoul, you're gonna, you're gonna get what you got coming to you. You know what I'm saying? Jesus. Sounds like a euphemism for something, man. Yeah, I know. I, I don't know what it means, and I don't We're know. We're gonna if find anybody, out one day. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think it's open to interpretation, as are most of the things that I believe that are New York uh, uh, statements, such as, hey, I'm walking over, is like, God. you know, do you want to say that? <laughs> no New Yorker has in my I've, I've been living here for 15 years. I have not heard one person ever say that. Uh, Brian is going to be that person. Yeah, That's what somebody told me when I did say it when I was in New York. And they're like, nobody says that here. And I'm like, I just said it. I know, my big one is not for nothing. That's the that's the, nothing. The, Bro- the Brooklynism <laughs> that, that comes out of my mouth more often than not. But yeah. <laughs> uh. I love doing it because I'm not from there, but then we like talk to people from New York and I'm like, I'm that guy who comes to New York and goes, I'm walking away. <laughs> You're the one that nobody wants to associate with. Are, are you the one that everyone can look at you and just go, that guy's a tourist? Yeah. Are you, lo- are you looking up at the big buildings? Like, like I do feel like walking through Brooklyn, I was very much like, I kind of fit in here. Like, I didn't really oh, yeah. go uh, go to Manhattan very much. Like we, uh, my friends did a Broadway show, and I was like, eh, I think I'm gonna like go do something else. Like they they all knew this girl who was performing in, and I'm like, yeah, like I don't know her. Like I'm just kind of the outside. Like I've never met her, so y'all have a good time. I'm gonna go and do some other stuff, and just walking through Brooklyn, I'm like, yeah, I kind of just look like I'm from here. Like this, yeah. I look like literally everybody. I was gonna say you you could definitely be a. Uh... <laughs> A Bushwick resident. I can yeah. see that. I can see that. Uh, I don't know how to feel. It's like one of those things where you're like, oh, like for us, it'd be Wicker Park. And it's like, yeah, you look like you live in Wicker Park. And it's like, Ugh. It's like <laughs> don't, don't put me is in it, that. Is that like bu- the Williamsburg hipster yeah. Yeah. version of Chicago? Okay. Yeah. It's it's kind of changed now because it got, uh, I mean, a lot like probably Williamsburg is like got really uh, yuppie and everybody started to move in. Yeah, And, and then yeah. like single fam- young families yeah. in the area. And you're like, why is this kid outside of the music venue? You're right. a baby. Go so away. they closed the <laughs> venues. It's, it's yeah. like, oh man. Is Wicker Park Fest still going on? I've heard good things it about is. that yeah. one. Uh, so that still goes on. That is one of our best street fests. And there's uh, one like kind of down the way a little bit, which is Division street fest and so yeah both of those do pretty well i just remember a bunch of my friends getting booked on wicker park fest like i think um my friends in pronoun were on that one I yeah think the, da- the dangerous summer was on that mm-hmm. one i feel like there was somebody else but yeah. I mean, they get a lot of people on there 2018 was um against me and yeah, against mass intruder or no mass intruder was 2019 2020 they so did one in, like, like, 2021. I to think. me, Chicago has always been, like, a pop-punk mecca. Like, mm-hmm. I know I, I know you guys said earlier that there aren't that many bands from there, but the ones that are from there are pretty sizable. Like, well, isn't, out, isn't right an Alkaline now, too, Trio from there? Like, yeah. We also I mean, have a lot of, like, pop-punk <laughs> bands that are, like, newer, too, that are, right. like, still up and, like, they're doing pretty well. Right. Like, I mean, I, I grew up in Maryland, so we had Good Charlotte and All Time Low, and that's mm-hmm. it. Yep. <laughs> both, both very formidable, and I love them both. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, th- that was the extent of it. I, and The Dangerous Summer, that's right. They were yeah. from, from Ellicott City. But, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, it was, I think, you know, growing up in Maryland and, and listening to pop punk, it was, you know, it was kind of like existing in a vacuum of no pop punk because it's just... You know, D.C., Baltimore, and suburbia, mm-hmm. and that's it. But you know, I mean, all the all my favorite bands were out of New Jersey and New York and Chicago. You know, that's where everybody was from, or Florida. That was another big one. Dude, what is going yeah, on? Yeah, it's just so weird. It's like, what's going down down on here? Like, I don't get it. Dude, Mayday Parade, New Fangori, Yellow Card, Less Than Jake, Day to Remember. I mean, like, I don't know. Something, there's something in the water down in Florida. <laughs> I, I think it's Florida man water, first of all, which I don't know if that's water. one that we want. 
You're either going to get a cool band or you're going to like eat somebody's face. There is no in between. No in between. <laughs> I was going to say it's either it's either a great pop punk band or uh, or, or bath salts. That's, yeah. That's it. <laughs> Looking for some new music? The club has your back with our bangers only picks of the week. Friends of the Pod Ann Arbor channel their indie pop era with Letter in a Suitcase. Another throwback friend of the pod, Highwind, drops their new single, Hung Up, with their friends, L. St. Germain. And hey, are you looking for a new love song to play with your partner? Well, check out Hey, I Love You's new song, Psychokinetic Love Song. If you like what you hear, make sure to check out our Spotify playlist, Bangers Only, to keep up to date with the hottest tunes. Speaking of Yellow Card, so this EP is coming out on uh, a Taillights Music Group. Is that what it's called? Yeah, that's sort of that's our imprint under uh, under Takeover Records. My my good friend Ben Harper of Yellow Card. <laughs> we saw Ben he Harper is. originally, and we're like wait, Ben Harper? And it's like, Ben Harper of Yellow Card. It's like, oh, okay, Ben Harper of Yellow Card, not Ben Harper. Right. Yeah. Not Ben Harper, Ben Harper. That would have been sick. But... <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah so yeah, like, how did you get hooked up with them? Well, they, I mean, Ben and LP were, obviously, they, they had that band This Legend that was around a while ago. And we, I think we did a couple South by shows with them. We definitely shared a publicist. I remember that. And we just sort of, we just connected. It was another one of those crazy things back in the day where, you know, you just you meet, you get drunk at a festival, and then you keep each other's number for some reason. And, you know, weird twists of fate end up bringing you back together. And he ended up, he was working in the weed industry around the same time I was. He had a, um, a delivery service out in Bear Mountain, California. So we were sort of trading notes as we were navigating our way through that nightmare because i don't know how much you know about the cannabis industry it's pretty much the wild west like you know all this all the states except for like colorado oh yeah that, i mean like league. you you guys can't like bank technically because of everything no, that goes uh, that's that's the it, biggest so. thing is the, the the federal banking situation also the fact that like states were legalizing it without having the infrastructure in place for anything so like you know california went recreational but they're permitting you know, process and their licensing process for farms and dispensaries still being developed. So like, you know, places were getting raided and, you know, farms were getting shut down and, you know, it was just, it was kind of, it was nutty trying to, you know, have consistent work there for a while. I think they're working out the kinks now, but there was definitely some time there where, you know, Ben and I would go back and forth and kind of trade strip strategies and go dude what are you how are you troubleshooting this issue like you know so that was sort of you know we sort of cemented our friendship that way and when it came time to start putting stuff out again you know I, he was the first person i talked to like you know we sort of we did the you know the lawyer shopping us around thing and no one really bit because we were being shopped to pop punk labels that would have no idea what to do with us. So, so once that was over and done with, I sort of, I, I gave him a ring because he actually, you know, he's got this grandfather deal with the orchard and he actually wanted me to help him do it. Cause I, or like help him sort of revamp it. Um, I went to school for music business and he knew that. So he was like, Hey, you want to help me like restart a label? <laughs> so I was like, sure. Will you put my band out on it though? <laughs> So we're sort of, it, it was kind of, I, I think it's funny because Parader is kind of a test run, I think, in a lot of ways for for him and for me, just trying to see, like, you know, it's it's a label, but it's not really a label. It's like, you know, we're just, we have distribution through the orchard. So, you know, it's not like they gave us an advance. You know, they didn't say, you know, hmm. Ben didn't go, here's 50K, go spend it. Good luck getting it back. <laughs> um but you know, but but honestly, like what it what it does do is it empowers the artist. A like you know the way he set it up is that we still own everything. We own all of our masters. We own all of our publishing. We own everything. 
all he's mm -hmm. taking is a percentage of distribution revenue. So, you know, there's he doesn't have a claim on, you know, anything really. Well, that's that's sort of a weird way to say it, but basically, I mean, you know, it's, it's yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's a crazy convoluted thing. But the, suffice to say, it's he wanted to make it as artist friendly as possible and just sort of give artists back the keys to their own career. And, you know, what this does, it sort of you can bypass having to do CD Baby or TuneCore or DistroKid. And you can go and the orchard, you know, if you upload to their back end, they go straight to the DSP. So you don't need to worry about it. Hmm. And there's there are ways through the orchard's back end to track your sales and track your analytics. And, you know, there's a whole team of label services people that if you run into trouble, they can help you. You know, I mean, I don't know how much they'll work your record, but they are there for any technical <laughs> support. You know, it's which honestly you know is is a great thing to be able to call up a human you know if something goes wrong <laughs> and the orchard they really they really have their stuff together so i you know i was i found it really cool to be able to go through them and i i honestly i hope it's sort of a model for the future because it it really you know the, big, the thing that i've noticed with a lot of bands is that they get locked into these album deals and they can't get out and they and when you get out they don't own any of it or if they, you know, if they will own some of it, there's like a sunset clause and it'll get back to them in 15, 20, 40, 50 years. So this way, it's just like, dude, give me 10% of what you rake in on the DSPs and keep everything else. You know, but, you know, it, obviously I'm sure it'll evolve, you know, as the years go by and as, you know, we sort of start putting out more and more bands. But, you know, I think... Ben, you know, Ben's got a, a good head on his shoulders in terms of what he wants to do with artists and how he wants to treat them and how he wants to help them. And that was something I always thought was cool about him it was like he was he was always down to help. And that's not, you know, when you end up in a band that big, you don't always have to be that guy. Ryan Key is not always that guy, but. <laughs> oh, OK. <laughs> Look, get spicy. Doesn't matter. We got spicy. We got Sorry. spicy guys. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying it. to shit talk here. I'm really not. <laughs> Look. Well, hey, I mean, I feel like that's like there. There are a I lot mean, of people out there who, you know, MGK it kind of comes down to like in a way. <laughs> MGK is going to come on here and want to start yeah. beef. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? <laughs> well, well, I'm a vegetarian and I ain't fucking scared of him. Let's Yo. Go. <laughs> But it I does kind of come back to no? like the fact okay. where <laughs> yeah, I yeah, love Thrill no, yes. Three. Absolutely. Okay. Just making sure that I think it comes back to like. <laughs> <laughs> no. I think it comes back to the fact that like it's kind of like a don't meet your heroes moment in a weird way because you hope that they're like good people, but then sometimes you're like, oh, you're not that yeah. great. Uh oh. And then you're in like a danger zone situation. Mm -hmm. The weirdest thing I've noticed is that sometimes the bigger the celebrity, the cooler they are. Like, I I remember meeting Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle, and the two of them are their icons, but they are the chillest people. But then mm -hmm. you meet, you know, someone like Ryan Key or someone in a, you know, in sort of a B-level pop-punk band, and they have the biggest ego, and you're just like, <laughs> really? <laughs> Who the fuck are you? Like, <laughs> Who the fuck are you? Like... Meeting people like, who okay. got really popular <laughs> off their their band in like high school or something, and it's like, dude, like you're in high school. Like it's like, dude, tell me that you peaked in high school right now. Yeah, you're 19 right. years old. Fucking chill, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Calm yourself down. Yeah, it is crazy to see some of these really young kids like blowing up, though. I mean, like the age for them, it's getting younger and younger. It seems like, although maybe. Maybe we didn't notice how young all these bands were because we were their age. Like, you know, the guys all time there were a year older than me. So I didn't <laughs> notice that we were all teenagers. No. Right. Like, we're all just the same people now. And now you're like, oh, these right. kids don't understand how it's going to be. The, the entering <laughs> industry, it's going to eat them alive. And you're like, dude, get off my lawn. <laughs> Man, but it doesn't. They like there are ways around some of the grinding that you know bands like them had like 
fans had to do. I mean, I saw, you know, that kid Jaden, JXDN. Yeah. Whatever. Mm-hmm. His yeah. third show ever. Third main stage at Lollapalooza. Third show. Yeah. yeah. Like insane. And it was one of the it was one of those things where like from a music business standpoint, I admire the fact that they pulled that off. But as a touring musician, fuck all the way off. <laughs> like, are you <laughs> kidding me? You didn't have to play a single show mm-hmm. to nobody to get that as your third fucking No, 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 no. <laughs> you need to you need to eat some shit. No, here's first. what this I'll is, say. No, this is not okay. <laughs> here's here's my rebuttal. Is from our from our era, you know. Panic at the Disco got signed before they had ever played a single show. And That's they true. sold a million records within their first year of forming, not even their first year of like the record being out. So there were there were bands like that we look at now and we go, yo, that is like a band from our era. I love everything they've done. And it's like, dude, they 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 didn't eat shit before they were getting really right. popular too. They yeah, they, they were, had those... Pete Wentz, but you know, they're not right. like Yeah, I mean Pete Wentz ate say. the shit. For them to say, mm mm, not you. It's not guys. really how I put it, but sure. I mean, but you know, <laughs> listen. <laughs> All right, and that's you know, that's kind of the you know the bummer of the music industry. Sometimes it's like when you're you know sort of a bushy-tailed, bright-eyed teenager going, "I'm going to start a band and we're going to make it." You know, you don't realize it's not quite a meritocracy. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know, there are bands that will die on the road in vans and not ever get to the next point. You know, mm-hmm. and it's. You know, I, I hate as, you know, as much as it is sort of my day to day now working in it, you know, I mean, I, I always say that the, the industry is, is, it's still run on money and nepotism, even though no one really wants to admit it. <laughs> but, you know, you honestly, you just prove the point, you know, Panic at the Disco blew up because Pete Wentz was like, let's give them a deal on my imprint under Warner, mm-hmm. you know, and they've got all these resources at their fingertips you know, and a team of people to do everything. I, I get into this conversation with a lot of other you know music people. Now it's just like, you know, when you get signed that early, you don't have to be the one doing everything. Like, you know, I mean, you know, when we were putting out this EP, I was acting as our booking agent, our PR contact, our digital marketing person, our, you know, our radio promo person, you know, like I had 18 different hats, mm-hmm. you know, and that's really, you know, until you get signed, that's what you really have to do. Everyone's got to pitch in and do everything unless you're an anomaly and you get picked up immediately <laughs> and yep. then you don't have to like, and even the bands that like, you know, bands like all time low and the pop punk bands that from our generation who are still going, they they were able to blow up before technology became so important to a, an artist's growth. So like now half the half of what bands have to do is be posting on IG every day and coming up with shit to put on TikTok and just being active, active, active with content. And that was not something that they had to worry about. And by the time that they did, there was an entire label of people to help them. Mm-hmm. So I think independent bands now have it a lot harder. Independent musicians have it a lot harder just because there's so much more to do. And there's so many different avenues to go down. And trying to make sense of it all by yourself is, it's damn near, like the learning curve is really steep. So, you know, to the, so the musicians who are out there doing it, you know, DIYing it and making it, like more power to you just because it's, the task is so daunting. And... <laughs> And, and and music business people, they don't, you know, the, the most valuable asset they have is time and mm-hmm. brain space. So, you know, a lot a lot of times a lot of people want to help, but they just have so much on their plate that they can't. So it really, it's, it's incumbent on the artist to do everything. And I think it's, you know, is it fair? I, not really, but, you know, there's not much you can do about it, unfortunately. <laughs> It's, uh, it's, it's just kind of an is, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, let's, uh, let's try to help you get really popular and famous and, uh, we'll, we'll, let's, uh, toss out some plugs. Let's find out, you know, where people can find you on the internet, where people can stream the the record. And also you have an upcoming show on May 10th. Yeah. And, uh, it's with lit. (laughs) 
It is with Lit. Oh, man. It, you know, it's funny talking about all this pop punk stuff. That is... The, Lit was one of those 90s acts. Like, that was so 90s rock, but... I guess by virtue of Emo Night playing that song over and over, they just kind of got subsumed into the mm-hmm. emo scene. Yeah. And, now it's, <laughs> and, and now it's like, a, you know, across the board respected pop punk hit is my own worst enemy. <laughs> and everybody knows how to play it. I mean, so like, you know, two of the guys in my band are like, they're rep players and they do a lot of dueling piano gigs and request gigs in New York. And they play that song every night. So they're, you know, talking about opening for that band. They're just like, this is going to be surreal, dude. I know that song inside and out. Probably as much, <laughs> probably as much as they do because I get paid to play it three times a week, every yep. week, you know, yep. <laughs> it's so cool, man. They're Ugh. like, they're great. We're going to be, uh, I don't know if I can, I'll, I'll give a hint. We're, we're going to see them again. And be playing with them again at a uh, a very large festival in your neck of the woods this summer. Um, Curious and interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll I'll let you know off the air, but uh, yeah. it's it's gonna be a uh, yeah. No, we're we're super stoked to meet them. Obviously, we all grew up with that CD, and you know it's gonna be fun. And uh, to answer your earlier question, we're on all of the all of the things at Parader NYC. Um, is our our handle so Facebook, Instagram. I think TikTok, we're Parader official. We have um, paradermusic.com as our website, and we're on all the DSPs, all the Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, Tidal, whatever. <laughs> However you consume music, we are there. That reminds me, I need to cancel my Tidal subscription. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was trying it out. It's not... Was that when we, everybody was like, fuck Spotify, everyone go there? And we were like, should we get on Tidal? And then we're like, their podcast sector is very highly underdeveloped. Yeah. And it's all like celebrity podcasts. And I was like, I want like artists to get paid. But right. Tidal just doesn't really have the algorithmic side of it down yet. Like, that's the reason Spotify's used is because they're like, yo, we think you'd like this. And they're oftentimes right. And Tidal right. was just like well, we know you like a lot of these big artists, so you want to just listen to them all the time? And it's like, yeah, but also, like... I mean, like to discover something new. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, you go to first page, and I put in, like, yeah, I like uh, Bring Me the Horizon, the 1975, My Chemical Romance, Panic of the Disco, Fall Out Boy, like, show me what you got. And it's like, hey, you know, Jay-Z owns this platform do you do you want to listen to jay-z and it's like and it's like I mean, well listen that's that's a nice thought but yeah and i don't no. hate jay-z by any by any stretch but i'm like i i didn't put in anything near that actually they took all them they said wait you want the lincoln park featuring jay-z reanimation right? that would have been that's what we're looking for. perfect that would have been <laughs> right up my alley Here's the one song on the Fall Out Boy record that has jay-z in the beginning for three yeah. seconds here you go <laughs> welcome it's here Dude, that song fucking rules though. <laughs> Dude, yeah, no, that like that the- song rips. Oh man. <laughs> I put that on my um on my graduation cap for my master's degree last year, and it just says welcome, it's here. <laughs> That's awesome. She came out to just a triplet breakdown. <laughs> it's like, Love why it. did Lizzie get her own theme music? Nobody else did. <laughs> well, why not? Just paid somebody off in the sound booth to just hit play real quick. <laughs> they call me Lizzie the Thriller. <laughs> No. Dude, we had um, when I when I graduated college, we had Bill Clinton as our uh, our graduation what? speaker. Really? And I I was I I was making the joke that I was like, I want to talk to whoever's going to be in the sound booth, and before he comes up to the speech, have them play that song. Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. <laughs> I was like, please, just someone do it, just for me, just for me. It's just for me. I paid all this money. I had all this time. Just. Oh, that would have been so good. <laughs> that would have been so fucking funny. <laughs> and like, that would have been such a memeable moment now right. that like everybody would know that it happened. Yeah. <laughs> it was, you know, my my own little crazy brain going, that would be hilarious if someone did that. Yeah. It's never going to happen, but I would like to believe that it could. <laughs> you just got to like put it out there. You know, you write it down and you just like slide that napkin to somebody and you go, I don't know, man. Like if it happens, it happens. Oh, no. But, think right. about it. Think about it. <laughs> you know, if it happens, it happens. I'm not walking here. I'm, I'm not, not walking. Saying, dude. <laughs> I'm not saying do it, but what I'm saying is I'm you want your gobbles. You got to ghoul your gobbles or whatever. I don't know. 
yeah, so uh, we'll we'll wrap the pod there. We'll hang out on Twitch for a little bit. Uh, but yeah, go listen to Parader. Find the EP. It is out now. If you're listening to this episode recorded version, uh, and and yeah, get get tickets to see Lit. Get lit, <laughs> y'all. Yeah. And then you know, keep so. an eye out for whenever this other show is coming to our neck of the woods, which is Chicago area. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it'll be good. Um, yeah, I was going to say, the show's on May 10th. It's at um, Le Poussin Rouge in New York City. If you're local in the West Village, it's going to be a fun time. Come out. Perfect. Uh, yeah, so uh, we will we'll end it there. Uh, but, Zach, thank you so much for uh, yeah, for hanging thanks, out with dude. us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me and letting me uh, talk your ears off for a minute. <laughs> Anytime. Thanks so much, guys, for another rad episode and for tuning in. As always, we will be back next week with another, if you missed the live stream, uh, unheard interview with our friends A Day Without Love. And, you know, until then, we'll see you over on the Internet over at X Emo Social Club X over on TikTok and Twitter and at Emo Social Club over on Instagram. So tweet at us. I'll probably reply because... Brian might be fighting for his life with the fishes again. We don't know. We're going to find out if he comes back in two weeks. Until then, it's been Lizzie. I'll see you later. Bye. Bye.